Chapter 4. Step into the Spotlight. Capturing your child's attention. Chapter Goal. To teach you how to increase your child's attention to you so that your child's opportunities to learn from you will increase. Learning requires paying attention to people. Why your child's attention to people is so important. There are many things that young children cannot do yet, but one thing they do very well is pay attention to their environment and learn from what they see. Babies see fairly well very soon after birth, and they learn a lot about the world, people, and objects around them by watching objects and people in action. They are also surprisingly good at seeing patterns in the actions of people and objects around them. They learn to expect people to move and act in typical ways and are surprised and intrigued by unexpected events. In fact, they pay more attention to the unexpected than to the routine and predictable so that they can figure out new things. Watching and listening to people are very important learning activities for young children, perhaps the most important learning activities, because they learn so much from interacting with other people. Most babies and toddlers prefer watching people and interacting with them over any other activity. Their brains are wired in such a way that looking at and interacting with other people are the most pleasurable activities of all, assuming that they are not hungry, fatigued, or uncomfortable. What's happening in autism? However, young children with autism spectrum disorders, ASD, do not show as strong an interest in watching and interacting with people as other children do. Why would that be? There are two different possible explanations that you may read about. One suggests that children with autism have more difficulty than others understanding complex and unpredictable sights and sounds. Social interactions are certainly complex and sometimes unpredictable. They require a young child to make sense of facial expressions, speech, sounds, and gestures. Objects, on the other hand, are more predictable and generally less complex than people. When a young child acts on an object, it tends to respond in a reliable and predictable way. The child can make the object repeat the same action over and over. People act spontaneously and more variably than objects. They do not respond the same way every time. People who are trying to engage a young child can sometimes be very stimulating. They may speak very quickly and with a lot of emotion, creating a lot of sounds for the child to process at once. People may also move and gesture during interactions, talking with their hands and changing their facial expressions quickly to fit the mode and tone of the conversation. All of this information be at may be at times too stimulating for the child, whose response in such instances may be to fuss or to withdraw. This used to be a very popular way of understanding autism, but research suggests that this view is not the most accurate way to understand young children's decreased attention to others. The other line of thinking suggests that young children with autism are less tuned in to others from the start. This line of reasoning begins with the finding from scientists that children typically come into the world built to favor watching and interacting with people over anything else. As with any other trait, some children have less of this built-in attraction than others. In autism, this innate preference for people seems to be lessened. Because people are not so interesting, the physical world may compete more strongly for their attention than it would in a child who has a very strong built-in attraction for people. Notice that the end result of both of these theories is that children with autism find interacting with objects somewhat more interesting, and interacting with people somewhat less interesting than most children do. Why is it a problem? When young children don't pay much attention to the people caring for them, they miss out on very important learning opportunities.
Children need to attend to everything that other people do, their physical movements, body language, facial expressions, and words, in order to learn. What very young children learn about communication, emotions, language, and social interaction comes from having lots of individual experiences with watching, imitating, and interacting with people. If they're not spending much time tuned in to their parents or others, that is, if they're not spending a lot of time focused on others' faces, voices, and actions, their learning may be slowed, especially their learning about social communications in play. To increase their rate of learning, their attention to other people has to increase. Attention throws a spotlight on others that lights them up and highlights their actions, speech, and emotions, which are so critical for social learning. In short, more attention to others equals more opportunities to learn from them. What you can do to increase your child's attention to people. How can you, as a caregiver, step into your child's attentional spotlight? There are five specific steps you can carry out to increase your child's attention to you. Step one, identify what is in the spotlight of your child's attention. Step two, step onto the stage. Take your position. Step three, eliminate the competition. Step four, identify your child's social comfort zone. Step five, join in by following your child's lead. In the following pages, we describe how to carry out each of these steps, give you some ideas for activities to try, and suggest what you can do to solve problems that may come up. Step one, identify what is in the spotlight of your child's attention. Most young children with ASD are interested in objects and toys and spend much of their time manipulating and playing with them. If this is true for your child, then it will probably be easy for you to find interesting materials for play. Young children are often very motivated to obtain objects, to handle favorite objects, to create interesting effects with objects, and to get help with objects they enjoy. Most also enjoy lively physical games their parents create. Roughhousing, moving in time to music, running, bouncing, and swinging. By including materials that relate to your child's interests and preferences, whether it be a favorite toy, such as trains, a favorite cartoon character, or a preferred activity such as tickling, you can create learning situations in which your child is likely to attend to you and interact with you, thus learning from you. In addition, building social interactions into your child's interests in specific objects will allow you to increase your child's social skills. Social interactions will become linked with favorite activities and become more rewarding for your child. The rationale. Highly appealing materials and play activities motivate children to interact with their parents. A motivated child is a happy child, attentive to his parents and ready to learn. Strong motivation supports active learners rather than passive observers, and active learners show initiative and spontaneity, two important characteristics to nurture in young children with autism. A motivated child also wants to continue an activity, which gives you as the parent the chance to embed many learning opportunities into the activity. The longer the activity goes on, the more learning opportunities you can create. This is why you want to know what objects and activities your child really enjoys, so you can create learning opportunities for your child. The following activity will give you tools for identifying your child's preferred activities and materials. The questions will help you focus your own attention on your child's attentional spotlight.
activity. Figure out what your child likes. Spend time over the next few days really observing your child during the following six types of activities. One, toy or other object play. Two, social play. Three, meals. Four, caregiving, bathing, changing, dressing, bedtime. Five, book activities. Six, household chores. Here are some ideas for learning about what your child is interested in and paying attention to. In each of the six types of activities just listed, notice what your child is interested in and pays attention to. For each one, make a list of the objects, materials, toys, or physical games that your child seems to seek out and enjoy. If your child does not naturally seek out objects or physical games, set out a few materials or toys and encourage your child to manipulate or play with them to see what your child might like. Next, answer these questions from your observations of your child when he is engaging in the activities listed above. For each of the six activities, what objects or activities does my child search for? What objects does my child like to watch, grasp, or hold? What activities does my child come to me or another family member for help with or to do? What makes my child smile and laugh? What calms my child when upset or cheers my child when cranky? If your child does not have much interest in traditional play objects, then focus on your child's response to other daily activities. There are very few young children who do not approach anything or anyone or to, who do not act on any objects without being guided. It happens, but it's very rare. When your child moves independently, what is she moving toward or away from? When your child touches or holds anything or watches anything, what is it? When you physically play with your child, tickle, cuddle, squeeze, spin around, whatever games you play, what are your child's reactions? What does she seem to enjoy? Sometimes children's favorite objects are rather unusual for their age or are used in a repetitive, limited manner. Vignette. For instance, 26-month-old Pablo spends his days with the TV remote in his hand. He keeps the TV on and switches channels as he stands in front of the TV or lies on the couch. Most of his awake time is spent in front of the TV, and efforts to turn it off to take the remote away from him lead to big tantrums. End vignette. Three-year-old Matthias likes to lie on the back of the couch and watch out the window for hours at a time. He shows very little interest in toys, people, or any activities going on in his household, even though there are toys and interesting activities around, thanks to his four-year-old sister and the family pets. Even if your child's interests are unusual, they are interests, and you can add them to your list. There are a few young children who are not very interested in any objects or activities. For these children, we will teach you how to create more social games, also called sensory social routines, or other types of face-to-face -face routines, and later, how to build your child's interest in playing with toys. We describe strategies for creating those types of activities with your child in Chapter 5. Summary of Step 1. If you have followed along and carried out the preceding activities, you will have learned quite a lot about your child's interests, preferences, and the objects and activities that capture your child's attention.
See if you agree with most of the statements. What about Pablo? As described above, Pablo's only interest in objects was holding the remote control. Pablo's mother initially offered a wide selection of toys to see whether he would trade the remote control for another item she offered, but he didn't seem to care about the other objects. Instead, Mom started thinking about what effects or actions she might use to capture his attention herself. She had seen Pablo smile briefly when tickled by his older sister, so she tried that first. To her surprise, Pablo laughed. She didn't worry at this point about taking the remote control out of his hands. Instead, she held up her hands and wiggled her fingers each time she said the word tickle. Pablo didn't pull away, but in fact leaned in towards his mother in anticipation of the next tickle. As Pablo relaxed into the game, he loosened his grip on the remote control and his mother was able to gently take it out of his hand while continuing to tickle him. Once out of his reach, she placed it behind her so it would remain out of sight and not distract him from the game. Pablo's mother also found other ways to tickle him, such as blowing raspberries on his neck and belly. She showed him how to pull up his shirt before tickling him on his belly, and she made sure to respond right away each time Pablo did this. When Pablo tired, she offered other objects he might want to hold and showed him how they operate, such as banging the wooden spoon on the table or pushing the buttons on a toy phone. With the remote control out of sight, Pablo was more open to exploring new things. He still tended to repeat the same action with the object, but now Mom knew she could get him away from the remote control and engage him in activities more appropriate for learning. What about Matthias? Matthias was the child who had very little interest in objects. He preferred to lie on the back of the couch and look out the window most of the time. His dad could not figure out how to interest him in his toys, and after each attempt, Matthias returned to the couch. So Matthias's dad tried a different approach to interact with Matthias. The next time Matthias walked toward the couch, his dad lifted him up and dropped him onto the couch. He repeated this game a few times, helping Matthias climb off the couch, lifting out his arms to pick Matthias up, and dropping him onto the couch. Now Matthias starting started to understand the game and, after falling, he walked over to Dad to be picked up and dropped again. In trying to figure out what Matthias enjoyed, his dad realized that Matthias enjoyed more than just the couch and smiled and came back for more when he was tossed into the air. So Dad experimented a little with some other movement games. He found that Matthias loved being flipped up onto his shoulder and airplaned around the room, loved being bounced actively on the big exercise ball, Loved having his dad flip him onto the bed and push on his chest with a pillow, and loved being dried roughly after his bath with a big towel and a lot of action. During these kinds of activities, Matthias was much more likely to laugh, smile, look at dad, and pull on dad to repeat the game. Matthias's dad discovered that he could also bring a stuffed animal into these physical games on the bed and use the stuffed bear to tickle and push. Matthias would reach out to the bear for more play the first interest he had shown in his stuffed animals. Matthias enjoyed it when Dad sang, head, shoulders, knees, and toes, as he dried those body parts with a towel. And he enjoyed it when Dad stood in front of him, instead of behind, to swing him at the park, swinging him strongly and then catching him in his arms. Matthias would laugh, wiggle, and look at Dad expectantly for the next push. Dad's detective work and experimenting have helped him identify many activities that Matthias enjoys.
Step two, step onto the stage. Take your position. Rationale. Social communication occurs, especially through eyes, faces, and bodies. We want children to look at us, to make repeated eye contact, and to have clear views of our faces, expressions, gaze patterns, and mouths as we talk. In general, having children sit down when we play with them helps us get in their spotlight or, f- or focus of attention. Sitting down helps focus your child's attention because the chair provides support and keeps your child from moving away easily. Sitting in front of your child to read a book or play with a toy may seem like an odd way to position yourself, but holding a child in your lap to read won't allow you to engage in face-to-face interaction and limit social exchange. Once you get used to reading books and playing in front of your child, it will become a habit, and you won't have to think about it anymore. If you use a beanbag chair or any chair that has arms and provides support, your child will be more likely to stay focused on the interactive activity. Activity. Find positions that put you in the spotlight. When you are playing with or caring for your child, start to position yourself in such a way that your child has a very clear view of your face and eyes. As much as possible, try to be close up on the same level and face-to-face with your child during both play and caregiving activities. We can't overemphasize the importance of positioning to increase your child's attention to people and learning opportunities. Here are some ideas for positioning yourself and your child so that learning occurs more easily. Positions in which your child is laying down on his back and you are seated while leaning over him are wonderful for social games, finger plays, and little songs and routines. Diaper changing time, whether on the changing table or on the floor, is a great time to be positioned face-to-face and to talk to your child and sing some little songs or finger games as part of the diaper change. Sitting on the floor with your legs out in front of you, with your child on her back, on top of your legs or between them, is also a great position for tummy tickles or creepy fingers and for playing social games like This Little Piggy, Peekaboo, Patty Cake, Round and Round the Garden, and Where is Thumpkin? Physical play routines on your bed or a couch provide excellent face-to-face positioning, both when the child is lying down and when the child is standing. Seat your child on your lap, facing you, or on a small chair, beanbag chair, high chair, or corner of a living room chair or couch while you are sitting on the floor in front of him. This is a terrific face-to-face position for songs, finger plays, toy play, and reading books, as well as for dressing routines, shirts, pants, socks, and shoes. Keeping a face-to-face position is easier when you use some supports, a beanbag chair or pillow for your child to lean on or sit against, a couch, chair, or your knees for your child to lean against, a small table or chair for sitting or standing play. Social games and even book activities can be carried out face-to-face with the book held in front of your child, your hands pointing to pictures, and your eyes and face in front of and close to your child's face, ready to make eye contact, facial expressions, keywords, and sound effects. When seated, your child, when seating your child, make sure her back and feet are well supported so your child is comfortable and can attend to you rather than in an uncomfortable position. Her back should be against the back of the chair, her feet flat on the floor. Think about right angles. In a chair that fits your child, your child's hips, knees, and ankles should all be at approximately 90 degrees. Feet should not be dangling in the air. For toddlers, a little step stool is often a perfect height, and if you push it against the wall, there's also back support. Children, 
and adults too, as you know from experience, are more comfortable when a chair fits them well, and they will stay in it longer. Beanbag chairs are very helpful. We recommend them for all families. They allow you to seat your child in front of you with good support. Children also like to lie in them, and you can play many social games in that position. Some children want to move so much that they do not want to sit for very long. However, standing can also be a good face-to-face position, and for this, a coffee table or child table is a great asset. Many youngsters like to stand at a table and play with toys, and it is easy for you to go on the other side of the table and be there, face-to-face, to join in. It will help if the table is heavy, so it will not slide when your child leans on it, and it should be low enough that your child can lean against it at the waist and have arms free to handle objects and reach to you. Your position can be across from your child or at the corner where the two of you can face each other across the corner of the table. Avoid playing with your child side by side. It's too hard for your child to see your face that way. Activity. Take advantage of mealtimes. Mealtimes in a high chair or toddler seat provide easy opportunities for a face-to-face position at the kitchen table, especially if they are set up as social times. It's tempting to have young children feed themselves while parents finish preparing food rather than having a social meal. However, for children with autism, each mealtime and snack time at the table presents a rich opportunity to work on social attention and interaction. Here are some ideas for increasing your child's attention to you during meals. Instead of giving your child the finger food on his tray, pull the high chair right up to one end of the dinner table and orient your chair so that it is facing the high chair tray, so you can easily face your child and have a meal or snack with him. Place your child's food on the table and provide a little on a plate for your child and a little on your plate for you. Have fun talking about the food. When your child has finished the small portion you gave her, offer more, but don't hand it to her until your child has signaled in some way that she wants it. It can be any subtle behavior, a brief look to you, a reach toward the food, a point, or a sound or word, but wait for your child to do something and then treat that behavior as an attempt to communicate with you. Once you hear or see it, quickly hand over the food while saying something like this. More? Sure, you can have more. Offer your child a bite and then encourage your child to give you a bite by leaning toward your child with your mouth open. Place your child's cup on the table out of reach, but within sight. Hold it up in front of your child and ask if he wants it before handing it to him. Put just a little in the cup so he will quickly finish and need more. Then, when your child has finished it and wants more, offer another pour, but wait for that communication before you provide it. As the meal is ending, sing a little song or two with finger plays before you finish. Help your child make a gesture that goes with the song by moving her hands through the motion. Songs are great language builders. Sitting face-to-face like this at the table is a great position for gaining social attention, and managing the food for the child brings your child's beam of attention to you. Summary of Step 2 If you had followed along and carried out the preceding activities, you will have found a number of ways to step into the spotlight of your child's attention. What about Pablo? After completing the checklist for step two, Pablo's mom realized that she spent a lot of energy following after Pablo rather than creating the right social zones for play. One of her habits was offering Pablo objects when he was walking away from her or not looking at her. She decided that an important step to helping 
Pablo Learn was rearranging the play area to make it a better fit for Pablo's size and focus of attention. She pulled the coffee table closer to the couch so that when Pablo stood at it, his body was more supported by the couch. It was also an easy way to wrangle him in without forcing him to sit in a chair, a task that was difficult for Pablo except during mealtimes. Pablo also liked pillows, so she brought in some from the bedroom and propped them against the wall to create a soft, plush seating area without having to buy a beanbag chair. Finally, Mom thought about other opportunities throughout the day at home where she could create a better spotlight of attention. During dinner, it was difficult for her to remain seated because her other children always needed things from the fridge or help with cutting their food. During the day at snack time, though, when she and Pablo were alone, staying seated was more manageable. Mom decided that she would seat Pablo facing her while she drank her morning coffee as a way to interact and engage with him. She also realized that when Pablo became tired, he usually wanted to be held. She decided to hold him in her arms with his face looking up at hers rather than seated with his back to her and maximize their face-to-face time by singing his favorite songs. What about Matthias? After completing the step two checklist, Dad thought of more ways to enter Matthias's spotlight of attention. Since Matthias already enjoyed lying on the couch, Dad was able to lean over him and establish face-to-face contact as he started and continued more active games. Dad created other games to do on the couch that required Matthias to sit upright, such as bouncing on the couch, being lifted up for blast-off like a rocket ship, and falling forward and into Dad's arms. As Matthias sought out these games, his tolerance for sitting improved, and Dad introduced books to Matthias and encouraged him to look at books with Dad while seated on the couch. He made sure to add fun sound effects and exaggerated motions to keep Matthias amused. Dad also brought a child-sized table and chair into the family room and gradually started placing a few books and other toys he thought Matthias might enjoy on the table. The two started transitioning to the table and chair when coming into the family room and before going to the couch. Over a few weeks, Dad was able to increase their time interacting together at the table. Also, anytime Matthias needed help that involved an object, taking something out of a container, opening a snack item, Dad took Matthias over to the family room or kitchen table and had him sit down before helping. Matthias started to learn about other locations in the house besides the couch where fun and enjoyable things could happen. Step 3. Eliminate the competition. Rationale. The physical environment can be a powerful pull for your child's attention. Observing your child will tell you what the intentional magnets are in a particular space. Video or computer images, mechanical toys, and moving objects can compete strongly with parents who are trying to capture their children's attention. You may need to control and engineer the environment so that you have less competition for your children's attention. Activity. Notice distractors and manage them. As you join your child for a face-to-face play or caregiving activity, observe your child's attention and identify the objects in the environment that take your child's attention away from you. Once you notice one, take steps to minimize it. Here are some ideas for managing distractors. During toy play, put loose toys away on shelves or out of sight so that toys are not u- you are not using are not attracting your child's attention. Toys can go into cabinets with doors, into toy boxes, or even on open shelves covered with a blanket. Turn off the TV unless someone is actively watching it. Keeping a TV running is a powerful attention magnet for little children with autism. 
During playtime, try to turn off the computer and TV screens. During social play, if the environment is busy and keeps distracting your child, go into another room. A big bed is often a great place for social play. During bath time, give your child with autism a bath without others in the room, if it's possible, so you can engage more with him. During meal times, if several children are having meals at once, see if you can intersperse the food routines with your child with ASD, described earlier, with mealtime chat with your other children and adults at the table. However, don't feel that you need to feed your child alone. The social mix of a family table is a very important experience for your child as long as she is attending to others as well as to food. What about other people? When your child with autism is just beginning to learn how to interact and pay attention to others, having several people try to interact with your child at the same time you are trying to can be distracting. It's wonderful when several family members want to play together, but it's also important to think about your child's attentional spotlight. Children without ASD are highly skilled at switching back and forth between different people and activities, but children with ASD have difficulty attending to even one person, and you are actively working to build that capacity to help your child learn. Social interactions are the most important teaching tools you have, and you need to protect and increase your child's interactions and attention to parents, siblings, and important others. In the beginning, it will be helpful to keep the spotlight on one person at a time. If other people are trying to interact with your child at the same time you are, your child's attention will be diverted from you. When no one commands the spotlight, no learning can occur. So try to encourage everyone to interact one at a time with your child and not to interrupt your child's attention and interaction with another person in the group. Later, as your child's ability to pay attention to others improves, you can check to see if he can switch attention from one person to another and interact with both. This is an important skill too. It's how families interact as a group. However, for now, here are some ideas to manage multiple interactions. Help family members understand the idea of your child's attentional spotlight and the importance of your child's focusing her attention on a person for increasing learning opportunities. Ask others to wait for a turn rather than interrupting the child's interaction with you. This is just good manners, like waiting for a pause or an invitation to join in rather than interrupting a conversation between two people. The same idea can be applied to other children who want to join in, as long as they are old enough to learn the idea of not interrupting others. Turnabout is fair play. When another person is engaging your child, be sure not to interrupt or vie for your child's attention. If you interrupt others and try to show them how to do it, you risk discouraging them from interacting with your child. All the people who are in a position to interact with your child will find their own way to do it or will ask for help when they want it. Summary of Step 3 If you have followed along and carried out the preceding activities, you will have found a number of ways to eliminate distractors and increase your child's attention to you and your shared activities. What about Pablo? For Pablo's parents, the remote and the TV were the distractors. As much as they tried to interest him in his toys or physical activities, his attention to the TV prevented them from stepping into the spotlight of his attention. However, they noticed that during bath time, he enjoyed squeezing his bath toys and making them squirt water. He also liked it when his parents put shampoo bubbles on his hands and belly. They added a couple of bath toys that wound up and swam, and he loved these and handed them back to his parents to rewind when they wound down. They tried blowing bubbles towards him when he was in the bath, and he loved this too. 
batting excitedly at the bubbles and looking right at them with a big smile, waiting for more. His parents also found that Pablo enjoyed being seated on the counter to be dried off after his bath, and they began to rough him up with the towel, playing peekaboo with it, and play games like this little piggy with his toys as they dried them off. His mother turned him around toward the mirror, and as he watched, she put her face next to his and made silly faces and noises in the mirror. He enjoyed this, patting at the mirror and then at her face. All of these observations made Pablo's parents realize that he did enjoy playing games with toys and people, so they decided to take more control of the TV and remote. They made a point of having the TV off during meals, during bath time, and early in the morning. They also began to dress him and change him on the bed in the room he shared with his brother, instead of in front of the TV, first thing in the morning and in the evening before his bath, and they used these times for play on the bed. In addition, his dad sat with him at the table at breakfast, and his mother sat beside him at dinner. They took more control of his food and drink, giving him little bits so he needed to request more frequently. They also spent social time interacting during meals, having him help pass things, having him give them little bits, and having him help wipe the high chair tray before he was finished. Having the TV off during these activities cut down the amount of time Pablo was focused on it and increased his attention to them. However, Pablo still spent hours in front of the TV. Finally, after a few weeks, his parents took a huge step. One night, after he was asleep, they put the remote high up in a cabinet. They took more control of the TV, turning it on for one hour in the morning, one hour before dinner, and one hour in the evening before Pablo's bath. They set a kitchen timer at these times. When the timer went off, they plugged in and turned on the TV and reset the timer for one hour. When the timer rang again, they turned the TV off and unplugged it. The first morning, Pablo searched and searched for the remote. He was very upset when he couldn't find it. His mother turned the TV on after breakfast for an hour while she got dressed and ready for the day. And when the timer went off, she was ready with the stroller and his coat. She turned the TV off and put his coat on him immediately, and they headed off to the park. Pablo cried when the TV went off, but he was distracted by the trip to the park, which also provided some good playtime on the swings. When they got home, his mother changed him on the bed, then put him in his seat at the table for a snack, and she sat down for a cup of coffee. She, she provided some toys at the table while he was eating, a puzzle, a book, and she managed to hold his attention with these for more time than she expected. He fussed for the TV, but she just ignored the fuss, and after the snack, they went into his room for some roughhousing on the bed and then some toy play on the rug. This was a new routine for the household, and in a few days, Pablo stopped searching for the remote and began to show much more interest in playing with his parents, with toys, at the end of the table, and in the bath. Mom and Dad had worked very hard to figure out how to eliminate the competition from the remote and the TV, but soon realized that they couldn't actually compete directly with these powerful draws. They had to remove the competition altogether. They also had to put up with the fussing and crying that they knew would occur in the first few days, but by substituting other activities their son enjoyed and getting him out of the living room, they got through the roughest part. And, day by day, Pablo adjusted to the new routine. Step four, identify your child's social comfort zone. Rationale, all people, including children, have different reactions to the physical closeness of other people. Some people need more social distance than others. 
Others love to be close. To attract your child's attention to your face and body, it's important to determine your child's comfort level with physical closeness. Activity. Learn your child's signals about how close is comfortable. You are going to carry out a little experiment here, learning from your child where he is most comfortable watching and enjoying your company. That space is your child's social comfort zone. Wherever your child seems comfortable looking at you establishes the right distance for learning for your child. It may well be that after a while, when you and your child have developed a number of familiar, enjoyable social routines, your child will be comfortable with your coming in closer. But it's not really so important how close or far out you are. What's important is increasing your child's attention to you and being close enough that you can still touch the materials and your child. Here are some ideas for learning and responding to your child's signals about how close is comfortable. During the face-to-face activities you are using from step two, pay attention to how close you are to your child and how she reacts to your closeness. Most parents playing with a young child find themselves within arm's length of their child's face, able to touch their child's face with their hands. This is a natural place to be when talking to a young child and sharing play and emotions. Most young children with ASD can handle this level of closeness comfortably, though your child may need a little time to get used to a closer distance if it is different from the typical way you interact with your child. If your child shows marked head turns and looks away from you, this is called gaze aversion, back up and observe how your child responds. Backing up goes against most people's instincts. The natural tendency is to get closer to touch the child's face or do something to draw attention. However, some children need more distance to enjoy face-to-face interaction. If you see your child look away as you come in closer, then back up to where you were before the child looked away. See if you can resume your interactions without eliciting gaze avoidance. If not, back up a little more and try again. Some children are more changeable than others and may change their reactions very quickly during an activity. They may appear to enjoy your closeness during an interaction one minute and then suddenly shift to a less positive mood even if the activity and your involvement remain the same. If your child's mood changes rapidly from happy to unhappy, or the opposite, or the child takes a little longer to warm up to an activity, you may want to move around a little. Think about what actions or effects your child may enjoy most about the activity, and show these to your child from a slightly greater distance. Summary of Step 4 If you have followed along and carried out the preceding activities, you will have found the boundaries of your child's social comfort zone in several different activities, and you will have used this to help your child attend to you and your shared activity. What about Matthias? When we first met Matthias, his main interest was lying on the couch to stare out the window. Dad developed several physical, active games to interact with Matthias, but it still required a lot of effort from Dad to keep the interaction ongoing. Matthias smiled and laughed when he was thrown onto the couch or airplaned around the room, but he did not always persist or actively seek out Dad to continue the game. Dad felt that he could at times take it or leave it. So how could Dad elicit more excitement from Matthias? To figure out this next step, Dad started to experiment with the social comfort zone to see how slight changes in his own positioning might affect Matthias. Dad started by observing differences in how Matthias responded when Dad's face was up close versus farther away while he was bouncing Matthias on the couch or circling him around the room. When up close, Matthias at times pushed Dad's face away, but when Dad placed Matthias down and leaned or sat back from him, 
Matthias tended to follow Dad with his gaze. Matthias's attention to Dad was most apparent when Dad took a few steps back from the couch to sit on the floor. Matthias got off the couch and ran over for Dad to lift him up in the air. Dad continued experimenting with the physical distance between himself and Matthias and realized that for physical games, having more distance worked better. It seemed to ignite some eff more effort in Matthias to seek out Dad and continue the game. This was the same for playing an airplane game or swinging him around the room. When Dad stopped to place Matthias on the ground and took a few steps back, Matthias was more likely to lick at or lift his arms up in response to Dad's open arms than when Dad crouched down right in front of Matthias' face and asked him. The same was true when Matthias was tired of an activity. Dad saw that a little extra space helped him interpret when Matthew was truly finished with a game because he did not pursue Dad but instead looked elsewhere in the room. Dad was then able to confirm that Matthias was all done with an activity and follow his eye gaze to the next play area. Dad felt more successful in understanding his son's attempts at communication and in building more interactive games for participation. Step 5. Join in by following your child's lead. It is very common for parents to interact with their child by creating a new activity and offering it when the child is already attending to something else. The child with autism might be engaged in opening and closing a door or rolling a car back and forth. And when mom or dad interrupts to propose an unrelated activity, the child might ignore the parent or even become angry and upset. This can make the parent feel like a failure or at least feel frustrated by the child's lack of attention or interest in the new activity. Instead of trying to direct your child's attention to something, in this step, you will practice following your child's attentional focus. The rationale. Following children's attention as a way of teaching them may seem unnatural or backwards. We are very used to teaching by instructing and directing our children. However, many studies have taught us that children, especially young children in the language learning years, learn language more easily if parents and others follow their children's attention and talk about what the children are already attending to. Redirecting their attention breaks their concentration and runs the risk of losing it altogether. The following activities use the four main techniques that we employ in Early Start Denver model to follow children's attention. These are major teaching skills that you will use again and again as you follow these chapters along, so practice them until they come easily and naturally to you. The watchword for Step 5 is this, Where you lead, I will follow. Instead of trying to change your child's activity or focus of attention, try to follow your child's attention into her current activity and join your child in it. You can use the objects, toys, or activities your child is focused on to build an interaction. Activity. Use active listening. A great place to begin is with active listening. You may know that phrase from other contexts, and if so, you know that it means listening, really listening, to what the other person is saying and working hard to understand the person's intended meaning. With other adults, we try to understand by listening and by asking questions for clarification, by restating what we have heard, and by giving supportive comments. When we are active listeners of a young child at play, we position ourselves in front of the child so it's easy to share gaze, watch what the child is doing to understand his goals, narrate his actions, make admiring comments, and add sound effects or drama. Drum rolls, cheers, we might help the child picking up a toy that has been dropped, pushing something closer that the child wants. We also might imitate the child's actions with another object. 
This kind of active listening and commenting can occur in many situations with your child. It creates a situation which both of you are sharing attention to the same thing, and sharing attention is a powerful tool for children learn child learning. It makes language meaningful, and it puts you into the child's attentional spotlight, on center stage, engaging and responding to your child's play, without interrupting or changing your child's focus. Active listening can also help to maintain your child's attention to the activity, so you can add more learning opportunities. It communicates to your toddler, I'm here, I'm interested in you, I see what you are doing, and I'm doing it too. As you join and follow your child and become more active, with comments, approval, sound effects, and mirroring actions, your child will attend more to you. Activity. Narrate. Joining your child begins when you share your interest in her activity by watching, smiling, nodding, and gesturing, or active listening. It's easy to proceed from actively and approvingly watching your child's actions to being your child's narrator. As you watch actively and simple, add simple single words or short phrases to describe what your child is doing. The reason for using simple language is to help your child begin to hear individual words and associate them with objects and activities. If your language is too complex, then your child may not understand which word or phrase describes the object you're holding or the action you're demonstrating. For example, if the child is picking up a toy train on the floor, you might say, it's a train. As the child rolls it, you might say, chug a chug a chug, and help the child roll it. If the child pokes at the wheel, you might say, that's the wheel. The chart at the end of this chapter provides ideas for narrating other kinds of activities. Describing your child's play without interrupting or changing your child's focus can help to maintain your child's attention to you and the activity while you provide opportunities for learning language. Remember to position yourself in front of your child in such a way that your child can have a very clear view of your face. It helps your child to be more aware of your attention and your speech. Activity. Offer help. Another way to increase your child's attention and engagement as you watch and narrate is to offer help. Hand your child toys during play or changing and bathing times after your child indicates an interest, rather than simply placing them within the child's reach. Name them as you give them. Hand over bits of food one by one, rather than putting all the food on the high chair tray during meals, while you are seated in front of your child and narrating what's happening. When your child reaches for an item slightly out of reach, say, you want banana? Here's the banana, and hand it to your child. Or you can divide something into several pieces, like breaking a cookie into bits or handing over one block at a time. Using more pieces means more learning opportunities for your child to communicate with you and take in the words you say and the actions you do. Assist your child when he is struggling to reach a goal, like trying to stack a block, and make sure that your help is obvious to your child. Being the deliverer of desired objects and needed help makes you a part of the activity and helps your child attend to you and your language. Have the desired object ready, waiting and in plain sight, and deliver the object dramatically to be sure your child attends to you as you join in. My child never needs help. Some children are so determinedly independent that they never seem to need help. If you have a child like this, you will have to engineer some situations in which your child needs your help. 
You can create a situation in which your child needs your help by sometimes putting a favorite toy or food item in a clear plastic baggie or a jar with a lid so that your child can see and touch the bag or jar but cannot open it. Then you can offer help by extending your hand and asking if your child needs help, opening the bag or jar, and giving the child the desired object. When your child recognizes the object in the bag or jar, you may indicate interest in getting it and may look from the bag or jar to you and back or make a sound while looking at it, or pat it with his hands, or hand it to you. Even if you're unsure whether your child wants the item inside the bag or jar, you can open it and give him the object. As you repeat this game over time with a few different materials, a game may develop. You can also offer enticing toys with special effects that the child needs your help to produce, such as winding up a toy that spins. Activity. Imitate your child's actions. Another way of increasing attention to you and creating interactions is to imitate or mirror your child. While facing your child, play with the same toy or object, taking turns or using a second identical toy or object to imitate her actions, so you don't have to take the toy away from your child. For example, if your child begins to roll a car back and forth, you might use a second car to roll back and forth, imitating the speed with which your child is rolling the car. Imitation can also extend to noises or verbalizations your child might produce. Positioning yourself in front of your child and imitating her will almost certainly attract your child's attention. If your child is trying to put a block in a box, hand blocks over one by one, helping, and also put some in yourself, imitating. If your child is banging a spoon on the high chair tray, get another spoon and bang in rhythm in front of your child while saying, Bang, 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 narrating. You're very likely to see your child's attention come your way. This strategy of imitating your child's play helps to shift her attention and builds awareness of you as a social partner. By joining your child's ongoing activity and narrating as you go, you are turning a solo into a duet. Helpful tip. Refer back to your list of actions, sounds, and movements your child performed when you observed the child's play. Either take turns with your child's toy or use a second similar toy to create these actions. Remember to narrate or give a label to the objects and actions you're using, keeping the language sim as simple and short as possible. If your child does not imitate you back, go down your list and try another action. Helpful tip. Some children may become upset when you first join them and handle their materials in play. They are used to playing in a certain way and they may resist the change that comes when another person joins in. If your child reacts negatively to your attempts to join in, don't worry. Your child just needs to get used to your involvement. Re-establish facing your child within your child's social comfort zone and use only the techniques of active listening and narrating for a few days. Stay with these techniques until your child seems quite comfortable. Then begin the next technique of helping. Stay with helping for a few activities and then begin to imitate occasionally. Final activity. Mix it up. Combine listening, narrating, helping, and imitating. We have just discussed four techniques for following your child's interests and activities. Active listening, narrating, helping, and imitating. These four techniques typically occur together when people play with very young children. Even though you have been focusing on one or another of the techniques as you are practicing them, you have probably found that you often used more than one at a time. 
Now that you've practiced each of these during your play and caregiving activities, take some time to practice following your child in many of your activities during the play, during the day. Do this with as many of the six types of activities listed earlier under step one, toy or other object play, social play, meals, caregiving, book activities, and household chores as you can over the next few days. You will probably have to make a conscious decision to practice during an activity, though this will become more and more automatic for you as you practice and see the results. You will get an activity going or join your child in an already begun activity, and once you are positioned well, consciously begin to follow your child. Spend about five minutes in the activity, and at the end, take a few minutes to think about what you listened and narrated, when you helped, and when you imitated. Try to take some notes, perhaps by using the form on the next page. We have put an example in the form to show you one way that might be helpful. Summary of Step 5. If you have followed along and carried out the preceding activities, you will have found a number of ways to follow your child's interest into an activity and join him or her without redirecting your child to a different activity. Here is an example of mixing them up. Two-year-old Dominique and her father James are playing on the floor with toys. They have a bag of blocks in front of them, and as James watches, active listening, Dominique reaches into the bag and pulls out a block in each hand. Oh, you like those blocks, he said, narrating, and James hands her another one, helping, and says, here you go, as he hands, holds out his other hand. Then he says, here, Dommy, can Daddy have a block? She takes the offered block and releases one to his hand. He has two and puts them down in front of her, helping, stacking them up and adding a few more to the stack. She looks at the stack, and he begins to add sound effects, whistles, and makes a bigger display of stacking the blocks, hamming it up and making it a fun spectacle. As she watches him, smiling at his sound effects, he offers her another block, helping, and she puts one of hers on the stack and takes the offered one. He immediately puts one on the stack, imitating. James and Dominique each add blocks to the structure, imitating, while he narrates another one, and another one, and another one, until they crash. He says, crash, in a big voice, narrating, and they share looks, smiles, and laughter. Dominique begins to build the tower again, and he follows along, narrating, helping, and imitating, while the game is repeated. In this example, James uses active listening, narrating, helping, and imitating to follow Dominique's interest in blocks. He does not try to change the activity or direct her to something else. He stays with blocks and follows her interests and reactions as he tries one thing and then another to see how she will respond. He is a great playmate. They create a fun game and he has her full attention as he sits across from her, helping her create fun routines with the blocks. Her attention lasts a long time and they have lots of back and forth interactions with the blocks each one a learning opportunity for her. She has not stacked blocks before. Look at how fast she learns this from him. Chapter Summary We have been discussing ways to increase your child's attention to you and foster face-to-face -face interaction. Watching your child to see what he is paying attention to will tell you where the spotlight of his attention is falling so you can join your child on the stage inside that spotlight. Carefully positioning yourself, 
so that you and your child are facing each other without too much distance between you gives your child a very clear opportunity to look at your eyes, face, and expressions and to learn about all the social information that comes from faces. Although at first this may seem awkward, you will find that it becomes easier and easier with practice. This kind of face-to-face -face interaction is great for play, but it will also help you provide many more learning opportunities for your child during daily activities. Remember the six main activities described for step five, toy play, social play, meals, caregiving, book activities, and household chores, and try to use these techniques in each of them. We have also described some ways to increase your child's attention to you during activities. The most important of these are the big four. The first two of these are active listening while interacting with your child by watching what she does and commenting on it, and two, narrating her activities in short phrases and single words while joining in and following rather than trying to redirect or interrupt your child's activities. We have added the activities of helping and imitating as other important ways of joining your child and increasing your child's attention to you. We know that it is more natural for some parents than for others to chat and interact with their young children face-to-face -face during caregiving and play routines. For young children with autism, increasing the amount of time they have people inside their spotlight of attention is absolutely crucial to their progress. You will be joining your child in things that your child already loves to do, and joining a happy child is a fun activity for most parents. Have fun practicing these steps!